0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing
1: today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Well, we're getting close to Christmas, folks. That's right, coming up on the Breeders' Cup. Had some great races uh, that we'll review from last week. And just as much of a solid card this week uh, from belmont park uh, we're going to go and talk to our friend andy serling we spoke to him early in the saratoga meet he made the mistake of saying call anytime so i did so we're going to look at uh, the uh, grade one races that'll take place at belmont park and want to get uh, his read on uh, joa the storm that's coming up the east coast will be interesting to see if that's going to affect racing at belmont park then we're going to go down to lexington kentucky Uh, where it is Fall Stars, All Stars. So from Super Saturday to Fall Stars, All Stars. And uh, Frank Angst from the Blood Horse is going to be joining us. So we've got two top handicappers and some outstanding races to look at. Uh, Before we get into uh, recent news, uh, just about uh, two hours ago, I heard from uh, Eddie Donley, former jockey, uh, writer of I Ride the White Horse. He's been a guest on the show. And what he tells us is that Randy Romero is in a race for his life. He said he, he just spoke with Randy by phone. Randy had returned home Sunday after spending 10 days in Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Lafayette, Louisiana. He became weak, disoriented, and lapsed into a coma. Uh, he is back home, and he's trying to resume his regimen of swimming, but he said he's weak, and he has trouble concentrating When your liver goes, your mind goes with it, Randy said. It's simple. If I don't get a donated liver soon, I'm going to die. So uh, Reverend Eddie Donley says uh, he'd like us to join him in prayer that the Lord will make Randy's body stronger and the amazing courage in his heart will continue, that his mind will have the peace that passes all understanding and that he will receive the kidney and liver transplant he needs. So all of us in racing rooting for the outstanding rider randy romero all right we've got some late breaking news from the breeders cup today they announced the wagering menu and post times for the 32nd breeders cup world championship friday october 30th and saturday october 31st there's an abundance of betting opportunities including two breeders cup ultra pick sixes with only a one dollar minimum 10 cent superfectives 50-cent trifectas, pick threes, pick fours, and pick fives, and a Distaff Classic daily double and two pick five wagers to open both the Friday and the Saturday programs. So on the Friday program, there's going to be a total of 10 races. Four of those will be Breeders' Cup races. And on Saturday, nine Breeders' Cup races. Post time for the Breeders' Cup Distaff on Friday is 535, and post time on Saturday for the Breeders' Cup Classic and Water Race that's shaping up to be is going to be 5:35. So uh, Friday it kicks off at 12:30 with 500 card races. Saturday first post 11 in the morning. You have to roll out early. Uh, the um, guaranteed wagering pools for both days will be announced October 22nd. So we got a little while to find out how much money is going to be put up. But uh, that's pretty good that there's going to be $1 bet minimums on win place and show wagers, $1 minimums on all exactas, and that Distaff Classic daily double. Uh, there will be a $0.50 cent minimum on all tries, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, super high five, and a $0.10 cent minimum on all super effective. What's nice is the takeout rates, win place show 16%. And the exotic wagers, 19%. Usually we see that up in the 20s. So um, the World Championships will be at stake at Keeneland Racecourse. Uh, This weekend, of course, led by the $1 million Shadwell Turf Mile. And that is going to be aired on NBC at 5 o'clock. And then on Sunday on NBC, you're going to get to see the Judmont Spinster Stakes. We'll go a little bit more into detail with that. Uh just got a story that Frank Angst wrote about that. So um, we're going to get to see these things from NBC, from Keeneland. Looking forward to that very, very much. Of course, uh, Tom Hammond's going to host the coverage, and it will be joined by Lafitte Pinkai Third, Randy Moss, Jerry Bailey, Donna Barton Brothers, Kenny Rice, Eddie Olzek, and I guess we had on Winning Ponies last week, Matt Bernier. Uh, We're going to be breaking down those races again from Keeneland with Frank Angst here in a little while. And uh, I do want to tell you that as an element to all the race action on both days, that you have the chance to win a trip to the Breeders' Cup World Championship by playing the Million Dollar Finish Fantasy Game. The game's free to enter and play, and you can register and submit your picks for each race online, okay, both days now at MillionDollarFinish.com. Quick, find that pencil. MillionDollarFinish.com. And the highest score for each designated race will win a VIP trip for two to the sold-out Breeders' Cup. Okay, again, MillionDollarFinish.com. So uh, while you're getting ready for the Breeders' Cup, remember to pull down your easy win forms from winningponies.com. I had a good uh, week, again, all over the country. Uh, in the middle of the country at Laurel, we had a $1 Super that paid over $12,000. In Kentucky at Churchill Downs, a $1 Super 5 Key, 6801 And then if you went to the coast at Monmouth, at a $1 super box that paid $3,200 and again at Monmouth a good week a 50 cent pick 5 returning 2208 so winningponies.com a lot of great information. You can get podcasts of these shows and pull down your easy win forms. Be sure to, uh, tell your friends, uh, to, uh, be sure to tune in. So a lot, a lot happening at Keeneland. One of the nice things that's going to happen if you're lucky enough to be there here on opening weekend is that Wise Dan will be making an appearance, uh, at he won't be racing in the uh, $1 million Shadwell Turf Mile which he won twice including last year as it turns out that was his uh, final race he's based at Keeneland with uh, Charlie LePresti and it looks like he's going to be out there if you're going to be in the area in a walking ring during the third race about 2:15 and then after that he'll be paraded in front of the grandstand um, Lepresti having a hard time figuring out what Wise Dan's best performance was, but he says probably both the Breeders' Cup miles and both the Woodbine uh, mile in 2012 and 2013. So, again, you'll get a chance to see the Horse of the Year at Keeneland, third race on Saturday, if you're lucky enough to be around. All right, we've got plenty of news, but let's get to some of the action that we had last week. Again, we have Matt Bernier helping us with Belmont Park. The Beldame, we both had this one, no surprise here. Odds on, it was Wedding Toast going wire to wire in hand. Jose Lescano winning by two and three-quarter lengths over the three-year-old challenger, Kura who was way ahead of the four-horse catch-my-drift. After that, It was the Gallant Bloom, and this another odds on it. It was a chalky one. Uh, It was La Verdad, again, wire to wire, in hand, held on a little bit closer, uh, finished a half a length ahead of Wavell Avenue, 11-1 to shot. And in the third spot was Dame Dorothy, who was the second favorite in there. On to the Grade 3 Pilgrim. That's right, 2-year-old Colts going to post, and it was, Isotherm, who broke up my big pick four and five <laughs> at nine to one, rallied from eighth. It was a great three horse photo, upsetting my top pick at five to one. Azar, who had just come out of the win in the with, with anticipation, uh, Azar had the lead. I thought he was going to get there, but no, he did get nailed by Isotherm. And in the third spot was the mystery horse Raise the Bar, who shipped in from England for the race. Then at Belmont, winning your in, Breeders' Cup Sprint. No surprise here, it was Rockfall, the horse we talked about being so well spread out for its races going in here by Todd Pletcher. So it looks like he's going to go to the Breeders' Cup Sprint and most probably will be retired after that, going to stud at Windstar Farm a long time alongside his sire, Spite Town. And then uh, we round out the Belmont Park action with Matt Bernier, the winner. Number three, Big Blue Kitten had that rabbit shining copper about 12 lengths on top going down the backstretch, but it was Big Blue Kitten who was already in the Breeders' Cup with its win in the United Nations, Uh, but now it has a chance to uh, really shock the country. What a consistent horse. Big Blue Kitten, of course, a a ridgeling son of Kitten's Joy, won by three-quarters of a length over Slumber, who was Matt Bernier's pick, a nose ahead of third Twilight Eclipse, who just missed in that race last year. Then we went out to the West Coast. Our friend Jay Privman was with us on that, and appreciate him coming on, of course, always. Winning your end for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Went to the four Nyquist, the horse we said that they had to beat, and it was no surprise. He was odds-on uh, it. Drift out a bit late and uh, brushed with swipe, who at eight to one was very game. Again, this was the DeSormo connection, and uh, in the third spot at eight to one was Hollywood Don. So Nyquist looks like the big two-year-old coming in to the Breeders' Cup. Don't forget his dad, Uncle Mo, won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Of course, no surprise at all in the Zenyatta, as we said. The race was for place, and it was Beholder getting the top spot over My Sweet Addiction and 35-to-1-shot savings account. From there, we took a look at the girls in the chandelier, and the winner here, again, no surprise, there were some chalky horses on last weekend at 1-to-5, Songbird. She's going to be something. Jerry Hollendorfer's got another good one. Mike Smith in the saddle, wire-to-wire, wire, won by Four and a half. Second was land over sea. And in the third spot in the grade one chandelier was 24 to one shot right there. The Rodeo Drive was the next race we looked at. And the winner at 9 to 1 Irish Bread Photo Call got the job done over Jay's pick Electrum. In the third spot was Stormy Lucy who had the lead and got run down. And then we closed it out. With the awesome, again, grade one, $300,000, Jay Privman came through for us with a long shot, smooth roller, only making his fourth lifetime start, paid $13 to win over opportunity, and then we'll be scratching our head and find out if Bayern's going to be sc- retired or not, ended up in the third spot, so he is now... Oh, for five in 2015 okay well we talked about a lot of great action want to get uh, the feedback uh, from Andy Serling about the the races that took place in New York last week and of course the great races that are going to take place this week a little bit of a break we'll be right back you're listening to winning ponies <laughs> Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's has the it! Got it. With two point eight seconds He's left to left. I don't care where they put him. This
0: one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
2: And they're off.
0: What? Can't make it to the track. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart.
1: from the legendary Harvey Pack as the lead handicapper for Naira. Well, uh, in a few words, Andy, how are things up at the spa this summer? Um, difficult.
3: A lot of difficult winter. Certainly a hard meet, certainly a difficult meet for me. But, you know, Saratoga, it's a great place to be, and it was great racing, but uh,
1: didn't have a lot of success on my end. But it uh, was a lot of fun being there. It always is. Well, I guess uh, you could also address the... Uh, Bafford zayat camp, and they'd tell you it was kind of difficult themselves. That, that, was, that well, was that was a tough beat. You no, know, you know,
3: they came, they took their shot, and uh, horse racing. And the American Fair ran very well, but he didn't get, you know, exactly the, the same kind of uh, very um, beneficial setups he got in his other races, and he and he came up a little short, but I, I think he ran very well. I don't think he ran any worse than he ran in any of his other victories. I mean, arguably, maybe he ran better than some of those races. You know, horse racing, Best horses of all time have all lost, so I don't really think there's any shame in losing.
1: Well, last week we saw some uh, top performances uh, at, at Belmont Park. Uh, I'm wondering uh, of the horses, um, you know, Wedding Toes, uh, Lobber Dad, uh, Isotherm, uh, of course, Rockfall, or Big Blue Kitten. Which one of those kind of uh, impressed Andy Serling the most, and could be a big threat on Breeders' Cup Day?
3: Well, you know, as far as Breeders' Cup, it's hard to say. I mean, Wedding Coast is that I would have to think a fairly substantial favorite, assuming in the in the distaff, assuming that Holder runs in the Classic, and Holder runs in the, the distaff, she'll rightfully be an overwhelming favorite. And if you figure she'd win the, you know, if you figure she's at all competitive in the Classic, which you'd have to think she would be, you'd have to think that she would pretty much handle the field in the, distaff, uh, but if, but if she doesn't run, um, Wedding Toast shows up with the race, she's going to win. Um, you know, the one small knock is that she's had beneficial setups and, you know, she probably wasn't as good in Florida as she was in New York. So she's got to take her show on the road, but she's a faster horse than sheer drama who, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will like, and she's a nice gritty horse, but I, I think that wedding toast is overwhelmingly the horse to beat. Um, should behold or choose the classic. As far as Rockfall, I think he's a very vulnerable favorite. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens, obviously, in the Phoenix as well as uh, whatever the Sanity Diego Sprint Championship or whatever they call it, the ancient title these days. Um, because I think Rockwell's a very nice horse and he's a game horse, but he's not that fast. And I didn't think this was a particularly impressive effort. Maybe Todd Fletcher feels he can get him to run better in the sprint if that's the case. And he certainly could win. I mean, it's a hard horse to knock. He does nothing but win. But it'll be a sterner test in the sprint. I mean, you know, his ability to rate will help him. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of horses in the Phoenix, that I, I wonder why they didn't run in the Bosburg, to be honest with you. and It'll be interesting to see what happens. Big Blue Kit was one of the cooler horses racing, you know, whether or not that meets he could be effective with the Rears Cup turf. Well, I guess that obviously depends on the Euros like Torinshire, but he's a really terrific horse um, among the others. I, you know, I think I think horses like Isotherb in the Pilgrim and, and uh, Graham Motion's horse who won the uh, Miss Gorilla the next day, Whose name escapes me as I get older. Um, I think you know they have to be considered contenders, but I, you know those those Breeders' Cup juvenile turf races are the kind of races where the Euros figure to have the ability to have a real say, especially not having to ship to California and going to Keeneland. That probably gives them even more of an edge. So we'll, you know we'll see how that works out with them who comes through them. But obviously, we want to watch races like the Bourbon and, and I think the Jessamine this week at Keeneland. So there's a lot of you know races left to go. We had a good day of racing last week, but. You know, I think we'll see more of an impact, perhaps, from from Saturday's card here at Belmont, John.
1: Well, all right, we're talking to it with Andy Serling. And, Andy, I'm going to have to ask you to be a meteorologist here for a minute. What's the extended weather report coming up on Belmont this weekend? As we know, it looks like that storm's chasing up the coast.
3: Yeah, it looks like uh, good weather, okay weather for Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you know, they predicted, you know, you know, storms all week. And so far we got a little rain Tuesday night, but, but, but very little, no rain yesterday. And, you know, some scattered showers today. And I think, to, I think tonight and tomorrow they're, tomorrow they're expecting a fifty forty, fifty 40, 50% chance of some storms. Saturdays of now, they're talking about some showers in the morning. So I don't think it looks like anything major. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the turf courses, you know, I imagine the list is yielding, assuming we don't get some sort of, you know, the, the storm itself If it hits, is like Monday or Tuesday, but, um, but you know, this is a course that you know don't forget we got no rainwater up in saratoga and i don't think we got pretty significantly more in new york and you know we got a little bit of rain that first weekend but we haven't had any since so these courses will be in very good shape for the weekend i, I don't think they're gonna i don't think it's gonna be the kind of bog that some people suggest so i'm you know hopefully the track won't be particularly affected by the weather if it's a little wet so be it you know.
1: well we talked about the, anything uh, right i'm sorry um how impressive uh, Big Blue Kitten was. We know that the kitten's joys just relish on the weeds, and uh, Chad Brown, of course, has uh, Stephanie's Kitten going in the grade one flower bowl on the inner turf. Uh, This race at a mile and a quarter. Uh, Stephanie's Kitten looks to be a major threat there, but boy, these horses are coming out of the Beverly D. That was a yielding turf course. Uh, you've also got uh, what's the chances in, in there. Of course, there was a little disqualification, so what's the chances got placed first, and then uh, have you gotten any line on this, uh, this import, the English bred curvy uh, that comes in that certainly wouldn't have any problem with soft ground, but it's a three-year-old facing some older. Well, I mean, Stephanie's
3: Kitten ran a much better race I thought to Western Chances, and Chances got a very crafty ride, to kind of pick of the pieces. And Stephanie's Kitten was in a position where she actually might have won a race if she had not been interfered with. And to me, it was not as legit a DQ as they get. So, you know, and I think Chad's very confident with the way she's coming in this race. So she'll, she'll be the horse to beat. Uh, you know, other than that, that, the Americans don't appear to be anything substantial in this race. So I think Dan's a lot a chance. And here's a long shot for Chad as far as the Euros. Kirby is a really, really good horse. And she's running with, you know, with top horses over in Ireland and, and Great Britain as well. I don't know how good those horses are overall. I mean, I watched all her races, and she's got tactical speed, which I think will help her. And she certainly runs well, and, and she's sort of a stayer. The thing about and probably a mile and a quarter might actually be a little better for her than a mile and a half. So, and that was probably their thinking overall in this race. Having said that, if you use time form figures overall, she's a little slower than Stephanie's kit. I mean, honestly, and and I think she's dangerous, this Mutatis Mutandis, the the Irish bred inside of her, she's actually talented. In her race three races back uh, at the Curra, the the, the Pretty Polly, she actually finished just about a length behind the horse that won the Beverly D. only disqualified, and Mutatis Mutandis got left about six lengths in that race. The problem with her is she seems to dwell, be dwelt in all of her starts. So a lot of these horses are having even more trouble with the U.S. starting gate because there's, you know, there's no, they're just not used to it in the same way. So whether or not she can break is a big question, but she's full, she's a price horse, Boutonis Boutonis, who has a chance because I don't think that really, other than a long shot chance to dance at Cavallo, that any of the Americans are going to win besides Stephanie's kitten, who's recent formally something to be desired, but I do think her Beverly D was okay.
1: All right, we're speaking with Andy Serling. Andy, I know you've got to get out at the bottom of the hour, so let's go ahead and look at the girls and the boys. Uh, two-year-olds, the frisette uh, is for the ladies, uh, two-year-old fillies. Uh, these seem uh, like a pretty evenly matched group and another uh, European invader in Nemeralia.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, the, Euro, the, the California, we saw distinctly different races last weekend. And the two-year-old billies have their hands full with Songbird, who we saw win out at Saturday. She's she's She looks like about as solid a horse going this Breeders' Cup as anybody. So this may be their day and to get their grade one or the horse in the buy. I prefer with uh, the two-horse for Christophe Clement. I like the maiden race, she had a wide trip, and she was a pretty dominating winner. I, I think she's the horse to beat out of maiden breakers. Uh, I'd like the see already do well, but I'm, I'm dubious of her getting the mile in here. Um, I think nickname's okay. I prefer With. I am going to use Memoralia, the European you mentioned. Jeremy Nassita is a very sharp trainer. And while she's run okay over um, on the turf uh, and even synthetic in Europe, she's got much more of a dirt pedigree on the damn side. I think, you know, I respect these connections shipping her over here. So I'm going to use With in the European and hope that With is the best that we've seen. And if she loses, it'll be to an oddball.
1: All right, Andy Serling, let's move to the grade one for the boys. It is the Champagne. We'll see a couple of horses that match strides in the hopeful and a few long-shot horses that, that uh, could be a surprise in here, and maybe Salahoy or Sunny Ridge. But right now it looks like uh, Raelis has made himself uh, the one to beat after shipping in from the West Coast. There's no, no
3: question if Raelis runs as hopeful, he's going to be very hard to beat. Uh,
1: I'm going to bet against
3: horses like Railist. You know, last time was the time for him. He paid almost $16, and he really improved dramatically in California for those mediocre. Now, maybe it was a little more distance, but he certainly seemed to be a better horse. Whether or not some, some possible moisture in the track is in his favor or against him remains to be seen. But, you know, shipping across the country, shipping back, shipping back here again, I, I'm going to take a wait-and-see with him. And, you know, it's an interesting race because unlike the Phillies in California – Nyquist isn't scaring anybody away. He wins his Breeders' Cup because everybody stinks. He's not going to win the Breeders' Cup because he's a particularly good horse at this point. So I think the, the boys are very open, and that's why, <laughs> you know, you see so many people. They're just coming for maiden races. And let's face it, two-year-old stakes throughout the country have turned into not of ones for two-year-olds. And even the point where portfolio manager on the outside ran second in the maiden race at Saratoga, and I actually think he's a contender in this race as a maiden. So, you know... I, they're just lightly raised horses. It's hard to tell how they'll do in their next start. Taylor Saval, the seven horse for Barkley, Dye, that's the one that impressed me the most of the maiden winners. So I'm inclined to want to take a shot with him. Ready dancer, scary for Todd Pletcher, because he really improved when they put blinkers on last time. I kind of want to see it to believe it, but I think he's dangerous. I think Greenpoint Crusader's dangerous. I am going to try to beat in here while knowing he's the horse to beat. But this is a very, very tricky race. I feel like there might be some decent horses near whether or not they're going to be ready as lightly raced horses to to show it right away. in The champagne remains to be seen. But I think there's a real impetus to take a shot in this race for the Breeders to because unlike, like I said, the Phillies, the Colts out in California aren't scaring anybody.
1: All right, well, let's go to a uh, race, the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Certainly, these horses are not strangers to one another. We've got last year's winner, Tonalist, in here. Only a half a dozen. Andy, who you like? I think
3: Tonalist is going to be tough, and I think he's very likely to win his second Jockey Club. He's a good horse. He's had some tough trips. I mean, his... His 2015 hasn't worked out as well as they thought, but it's not like he's embarrassed himself out there. He had legit trouble in the Met and didn't get the best of rides. He got a lousy ride in the Suburban and probably should have won. And he was third best in a very good Whitney. Uh, and the worst half an act to be in the Suburban, yeah, he got the better trip, but I think he's dangerous in a mile and a quarter. And with Constitution here, to keep the pace at least honest, I think it helps those horses. I won't be surprised when Wicked Strong runs better. But at the end of the day, I really think the Tonalist, as a favorite, is a horse that's going to be likely to win here. Though I respect FNX, but Tonalist, this is the day he gets it done.
1: And I respect you, Andy Serlin, for taking the time to come on with us. I hope you have a great weekend in Belmont and a great rest of your evening. Thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. And as I said, anytime you want, anytime I can make it, I'm happy to come on. I appreciate everything you guys do.
1: We appreciate it, too. Naira's Andy Sterling. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to talk to a man, Frank Anx, that's been on the trail of the horses in Kentucky, and we're going to break down Fall Stars, All Stars at Keeneland. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No Hold's part. Oh, I just, and get I just ready think that the coach and... made a mistake. All crazy.
2: <laughs>
0: NFL, MLB, MLB NBA, NBA NHL, NHL. Speak up, speak up, or forever hold your mouth.
2: We ain't playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track?
1: you know, the last time I introduced him, I was talking about uh, his uh, shared Eclipse Award on waiting and waiting for crowning glory, uh, where uh, they were looking to California Chrome and an examination of the difficulties of winning the greatest challenge, the Triple Crown. Frank, things have changed since, uh, since you wrote that story. We now have a Triple Crown winner. Just wanted to get your, your feelings about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, just uh, an impressive run. I mean, in doing that story, that really, I mean, I kind of knew already, but doing it and just having it all in front of you, it really made you realize the challenge of the Triple Crown, and I think it made me appreciate what uh, American Pharoah accomplished that much more. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely thought he might have been, uh, definitely thought the Belmont was going to be a challenge, but he just had that cruising speed that, I think that's the unique talent that allowed him to win the Triple Crown because he's just not hard on himself, so that allowed him to recover so quickly and uh, run his race three times in five weeks.
1: Well, it's going to be pretty exciting. I know you'll be there. Uh, I I just feel the sense that some kind of history is going to be made in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but I don't know if it's going to be made by him, uh, by a keen ice, or a horse that impressed me amazingly last week in the Philly Beholder.
2: Yeah, I mean, if all the horses make it that we're expecting to make it, it's going to be just some kind of race. I mean, and don't forget Honor Code, too, because yeah, a key horse in that race, I think, is Liam's Map, who's also being considered for the Dirt Mile. But if he goes to the Classic, I think you're going to have quite a bit of speed up front, which could really set things up for Honor Code. I like the approach Honor Code's taking, just running into Kelso here, using that as a true prep. I mean, he's just going to run the one-turn mile, which... I can't see that horse losing that one-turn mile race. I think that's the best of the best for him. But he's also shown that he can handle the two turns as he did in the winter.
1: Well, uh, Frank Anks from the Bud Horse we're talking with right now, I want to uh, refer to a story that uh, you wrote just recently. And uh, it's a race we're not going to be handicapping. It's a race that's going to be run on Sunday but uh, untappable and lovely Maria are to clash in the spinster, was your your headline. Uh, this is a bit of a rarity, and uh, off-mic, you also educated me as to the spinster's effect in the Breeders' Cup pre- and post polytrack.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something we went a little bit into our new bloodhorse newsletter, so that's in there if people want to check it out, if there's a... Blood Horse app that they can get uh, any outlet that carries such apps. Um, but yeah, it. what uh the, there's been ten times that the uh, that a starter in the distaff has gone on to win the. I'm sorry, a starter in the spinster has gone on to win the distaff, and the eight years of polytrack at Keeneland didn't account for any of those. So now that it's back to dirt, I look for that again being a key race, and of course this year. With the Breeders' Cup at at Keeneland. That makes it even that much more important. Um, last year, Don't Tell Sophia won the Spencer and went on to run a nice second and then just asked. So it's definitely a race you need to see uh, the handicap of your Breeders' Cup r- races.
1: And again, that's on Sunday and it will be televised, so uh, fans will get a chance uh, to see that. Well, this is a very key uh, Fall Stars All Star uh, more than other years because. These horses are going to get a trip over the Keeneland surface, so let's let's dig into it. Again, we're talking with Frank Anks from the from the Bloodhorse. Um, we're going to start with Friday's feature, um, the, the Darley Elsabides. It's a Grade One, four hundred thousand. These are fillies, most of them stretching out for the first time, trying to go a mile and a sixteenth. A lot of angles to look at, but it does look like they're going to be taking a shot at Kenny McPeak's trainee. Dothraki Queen, who's two for two, looks like she can rate and run all day.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's always that much more impressive when a two-year-old passes horses the way that she did in that race. So that's certainly, I can't, I have her, I'm going to try to beat her, but I'm not not being all that creative with this race. I think maybe Just Wicked bounces right back. Um, She was the favorite in the uh, Pocahontas and just kind of didn't start all that well and made just a little bit of a run at the end. But, uh, I mean, this is a tap at Philly, and I just got a feeling maybe she figures things out here at the two turns. That was her first try at two turns, and she ran so well at Saratoga. So I, I'd give her one more chance. Um But if I guess if they're about the same odds as Duff Rocky clean, I guess there's not even that much motivation there. But I'm thinking maybe people just discount that, Pocahontas effort too much and she drifts up just a little bit in the odds to make her a value.
1: Well I'm kinda, you know, looking at, again, you know, for horses either put underneath uh Dothraki Queen or to post an upset. And they've got Dream Dance posted at twelve yeah. for one and uh she kinda got uh, got roughed up in, in the Pocahontas. Uh she can be pretty dangerous, I think, for Neil Howard. Yeah, I have her in, in third,
2: so she would be the price horse that I have rated highest. Yeah, bum pretty good by the runner up there, bold quality. Bold quality was actually the horse I wanted to bet in this race. I'm not, I haven't uh, looked into what her uh, status is or plans are with Gail Romans, but I thought that she was, might have been the best in that race and she just could knock it out. And then she finally just kind of bullied her way out, slamming in the dream dance. It was the right call by the stewards. They had to just DQ bold quality, but I was really impressed with that run and I look for her in the next race that she runs to run a nice
1: race. Well, again, you know, uh, anything can happen. This race, for fillies, two-year-olds, again, this will be on Friday. The other races we're going to look at are going to be Saturday races. uh, Kicking it off with the... Grade Two Thoroughbred Club of America. I think we put a ring around Judy the beauty, Frank. I mean, you talk about a horse for course. Never been beat at Keeneland. Absolutely loves this. And there's enough early speed in here to set it up perfect for her.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the way she's been working at Keeneland, which is where she's based at. And this has been the whole plan for owner-trainer Wesley Ward. He's just been looking at Keeneland ending the year in this TCA and then on to the filling Mayor Sprint. And this, when this, uh, Philly's on a schedule like that, I just have all the respect in the world for her. I think she'll be awful tough. Interestingly enough, last year's winner is also in here, Elite Court. So Judy the Beauty actually won two years ago and the Poly, didn't run in this race last year. So you do have the last two winners of the race, but, uh, boy, I can't get past her. She's, she's a nice one.
1: Yeah, she sure is, and I love uh, Wes Ward. Uh, his whole life story is pretty cool, and uh, the fact that this is Judy the Beauty's backyard. You talked about works. It's almost like I don't know what they do to make her not work a bullet. <laughs> I yeah, think exactly. they're going to have to put Santa Claus on her or something. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so we'll move forward. That that that's the Grade Two Thoroughbred Club of America. I know I'm asking Frank to... Handicap a whole lot of races here. Now, I found this interesting. Coming up on the one mile, the first lady, it's, it's going to be on the turf. And as you know, in the Midwest, there, there's a chance we may, there's a chance we may not get some moisture uh, over the next couple of days. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the course is yielding. If so, you always seem to give a, a second lick look to the european horses uh, which yeah. would be uh, crowley's law uh easter and outstanding uh, that are in here what i thought was interesting about this race frank was uh, as i looked through here for uh you know a little bias if i could find it none of these horses have won at keeneland
2: mm, that's interesting i didn't even notice that that's certainly uh an, an interesting angle because usually there's some horses coming back in races where they have already won on the Keeneland Dirt or Keeneland Turf, whichever race it may be, and that's always a powerful angle for sure. And I agree with you. The rain is definitely going to be something to watch, and I think that moves up the European horses as if European turf horses needed any moving up. Eastern Outstanding are both trained by Aidan O'Brien, of course, who's had so much success shipping to the U.S. and winning big races. But I'm actually going to go against them here, and uh, I'm not going to take the favorite either. I'm actually going to take the horse who ran right behind the favorite, Tep, in the morning line, favorite at 5-2. to two, My Miss Sophia in the Boston Spa. It was a strange race in that I felt like she wanted to run in the far turn, and Johnny V kind of was looking to get out, and a horse came up on her. He waited for that horse to go by, and then another horse came right, just got her boxed in like three horses in a row. All that was left on the rail, and she did have room along the rail. I won't say she was crowded. But I don't think she really wanted to rally along the rail, but she just kind of gradually moved up. But I don't think it was ever her best run. So I'm just looking for a better trip here, and you know she's six to one. Tepin's five to two, and I thought she ran a better race than Tepin if she had been allowed to run a race in the Boston Spa. So I I, I think she's an intriguing horse and definitely an over. Yeah,
1: she is. And again, you you mentioned Aiden O'Brien, and uh, you know he's just he his. Barn is just always so filled with, with with class horses. Uh as I pointed out in one of the New York races, he comes in here with a Galileo but uh an Easter, uh but that'll be a three year old, you know, well, we have two
2: Galileo's here, actually Easter and outstanding. <laughs> uh it won't be a news it won't be a surprise to see another Galileo grade one winner, but uh I'm gonna have to try to try to beat them here.
1: Well, outstanding. The other horse is another three-year-old Galileo, who we know has just been so uh, dominant over in, in Europe. And this horse did uh, ship to America last year one time and finished third behind a nice little horse by the name of Lady Eli uh, in, in the Belmont. So we know that she can make it to and from the pond and, and, and still be a piece. Uh, the, the favorite, as you stated, is uh, Tepin, a horse who uh, really has uh, found her way uh, when she moved from uh, dirt to turf. Comes in here off five either first or second-place finishes, and those second-place finishes were awful darn close. Uh, Comes in with uh, four uh, 100-plus buyers, and Mark Cassie certainly knows his way around Keelan. So uh, it's a deserved favorite, I think, but in a race like this with so much other talent in there, I think you're right in trying to look for a price.
2: And I'm not a big fan of drawing the outside there. I mean, just in terms of being five to two, it, it's possible to win from out there. But she has some things against her. And it's it's strange to say, because she won on the good turf, uh, three back at Belmont. But I don't, to me, she strikes me as a horse that maybe favors firm turf. But uh, she has shown she can do it once before. And uh, one other thing I should ha- add for people that haven't been to Keeneland or haven't had the good fortune to walk that turf course it drains amazingly well i mean it to me it's almost never yielding i mean they list it as yielding sometimes but the drainage there is just very impressive and it, it stays fairly firm
1: uh
2: less of absolute monsoon hits
1: Well, uh, we're talking with Frank Anx from uh, the Blood Horse. Right now we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back, I believe we've got three more races that we're going to check out on the Keeneland card on Fall Stars All-Star Day this Saturday. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep Back goes O'Neill! He's out! The... Got it! With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one
0: is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
2: And they're off.
0: What?
1: all right, and with me, award-winning writer Frank Anks from the Blood Horse. Uh, we're looking at Keeneland, of course. All eyes will be on Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup coming up here in four weeks. Frank, what's, what's the buzz in town? Because that is going to be a cluster. You've got... <laughs> the Breeders' Cup going on. you got a U.K. football game. Uh, I believe there's an event uh, out at the horse park, and they're going to yeah. be sealing off parts of downtown for the big Halloween parties that they like to have. Uh, <laughs> is, is, is the city ready to roll?
2: I think somehow. I think Keeneland gives people a lot of confidence because the organization at that track is just so amazing, and, and they have a plan in place, and it looks pretty well planned out to me. Uh, Keeneland and Breeders' Cup, I should say. And uh it's you're not going to have the usual parking that you have at Keeneland. They're going to use three off-site parking lots and shuttle people. That should help cut down on, on the traffic somewhat, at least. <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, a lot going on for Lexington, which if people haven't been there, it's not a huge city or anything like that.
1: No, and, uh, and I've seen the slight changes they've made to the paddock. Luckily, uh, they didn't really tear the place up. If you were never there before, you wouldn't know there was a change. Uh, but known Keeneland, uh, you know, they always do it first class. It looks really good. Had GD Hieronymus on a couple weeks ago, and he's all set for the video production. Of course, he wins the award every year at the symposium for best simulcast production. So, uh, yeah, if anybody's gonna do it right, it's Keeneland. Let's just keep our fingers crossed for the weather, Frank.
2: Yeah, and the the temporary seating that they've brought in is very impressive. It's tents, which at first you hear that, and you're like, how nice could a tent be? But this, these are really nice seats that I think people are going to be happy to have. It. And they'll be available throughout the meet. Uh, go to the Keeneland uh, website and check that out. But uh, on weekends for some of them, and some of them for all uh, all the dates, you'll be able to buy it in and sit in one of those spots that they've brought in, uh, their luxury box type of seating, that they've constructed for Breeders' Cup. So some unique opportunities there even before Breeders' Cup.
1: Yeah, and I've been there, and I've walked through them, and I'll tell you what, for a, quote, temporary facility, it looks like they could be permanent. (laughs) It's probably nicer than some of the places, some of the racetracks I've been at that are permanent. So,
2: (laughs) And there's some talk that some of these might come, that Keeneland might, you know, build these for their regular meets uh, uh, depending on how popular they prove to be,
1: and I have a feeling they're going to do pretty well. I, I, I really would not be surprised. Uh, well, uh, race I've been going to for, god, some 30 odd years, is, is the Breeders Futurity. I think I can go back to when Decord won it, it's son of secretariat. It's now the Claiborne Breeders Futurity, a grade one, and I have a note written at the top of my Past performances that says wide open, obviously the Saratoga shipper exaggerator will probably have the target on his back, but there's definitely some talent in here uh, that can upset him
2: and yeah, I'm, I'm going with a bit of an angle that uh, a lot of fans that are even new to racing are very familiar with, and that's Calvin Burrell on the rail. Um, I mean beyond that, rated our superstar, I think he ran a nice race in the Iroquois. If you look at it there, he had an outside post in that race, and now he moves to that rail. He didn't start well in the Iroquois, which was surprising because in sprints he went right out to challenge for the lead. So I think maybe here he runs a different race in the Iroquois and is prominent throughout and maybe that ground-saving trip that we've seen so many times from Calvin. And I have another asterisk, by that. (laughs) I think Calvin's even that much more impressive on the rail when it's a bit of a sloppy track. Uh, so I think there's quite a bit in the working in that little angle there. And, and the horse also has has really run three good races. Uh, so I, I think he at six to one is very enticing.
1: Shades of mind, that bird. I just want to get your read on on an angle here. A lot of people like second time Lasix. How's Frank Anx? look at that?
2: Yeah, it's funny because now so many horses get it right from the start. Um, But I mean, it's definitely one of those things that maybe the first time they, it doesn't, they don't react to it as much. Um, I, I guess I don't, don't have a great handle on that. To me, I would still look at the first time more so than the second time, but it is possible that the second time just comes, all comes together during that second time and then you get maybe a bit more price that way.
1: Alright, a couple other horses I just wanted to touch on briefly. Of course, also coming in uh, from New York with Exaggerator uh, will be uh, Uncle Vinny, who's had some uh, tough luck. Interesting. Todd Pletcher is going to throw blinkers on Uncle Vinny. Exaggerator uh, kind of reminds you a little bit about Texas Red with the Disormo connection, though he costs yeah. a little bit more and his sire, Curlin, is really hot right now. So you got those two horses coming in from New York. I think a mystery horse you could get a price on in here would be Sheik of Sheik's Wesley Ward at Keeneland with a two-year-old, need I say more?
2: Exactly. We touched on Wesley, and that Keeneland's his home base, so he certainly gets horses ready there. And Yeah, Exaggerator's stretching out as a curl in, you have to like that. He's my second choice. The other horse I kind of like in here is Birdie's Cause so, the young know, Romans horse closed up to win his maiden at Churchill and that that was a nice race that he ran I think he sets at this level
1: uh, yeah I do too and uh, wheeled out and surging was the, com- the comment from the daily racing form and the fact that this horse has only had two starts and both of them were going long you know he's yeah. a son of Giants Causeway there's no reason uh, on breeding or the fact that he's had experience that he can't be considered Frank I totally agree with you well, I mean, that's really what it's
2: come to in two-year-old races. You have to watch these maiden races and just say, does this look like a grade one winner? Because a lot of times there's not much in between. They go right from that maiden to the grade one now because horses just, they start later in the year as two-year-olds, so they don't get a lot of starts under their belt.
1: Well, again, that was the Claiborne Breeders Futurity, and we're going to round it out with a horse race that won't have wise dan in it though i think it's pretty cool that uh down in the third race uh, you'll get a up close look at the two-time reigning horse of the year wise dan who uh, has dominated the shadwell turf mile over the last couple of years as a matter of fact it was his last win
2: yeah i really like when tracks uh make the effort to parade popular horses like that It always plays well with fans and That's what it's all about, is people connecting with these great horses. So I I always like when uh, the connections and the track are able to do something like that. He's supposed to parade on Saturday.
1: Now, before we get to this race, Frank, I want to know you as someone that's in the media down in Lexington. Have you heard, will, as normal, the workouts be open to the public leading up to the Breeders' Cup?
2: They are, yeah. In fact, I just wrote about that this week, is the days leading up to the Breeders' Cup, they will open those workouts. And in fact, this year this is fairly unique, uh, as far as I can recall. Uh, the classic, the draw for the classic in Distaff also will be open. They have uh, one of the largest tents they have there. They're calling the Bourbon Hall, and they're just going to invite the public to come in and watch that draw. That's something that the the public doesn't usually have access to to see something like that. And all the all the major players will be there. All the major human players, we should say. <laughs>
1: Well, that, that, I love hearing that. I think it's great. We've got to do it. And of course, the and Baffert have been great with exposing American Pharaoh to the public. Well, the Shadwell Turf Mile is a grade one million dollar race. Again, Wise Dan will be on the track, but not on the track for that race. Uh, two horses kind of come to the top uh, for, for me here. Uh, The uh, most obvious one being the pizza man who just came out of the Arlington Million after winning the Stars and Stripes. Uh, He loves uh, the the one-mile distance. He's two for two at it. But uh, a horse I think we cannot overlook is Grand Arch, who looked like he was going to upset Wise Dan in this race last year, and he's a horse for course. He loves Keeneland's turf. Five starts, two wins, and three game seconds, and certainly loves the distance. Three wins, four seconds, and a third for $809,000 of his million-dollar mark. Uh, what do you think about Grand Arch versus Pizza Man? I mean, Pizza Man almost looks like he's better going longer than a mile, though he does have two victories.
2: Yeah, those two. I would prefer Grand Arts. He's cut, that race he ran in Saratoga was very nice too. So beyond the things you talk about, he's coming in top form in this race. But alas, uh, alas this time I'm not going to get away from the European horses. I, I think with the the wet turf that they're going to be awfully tough here. And Dutch Connection is a two-time Group Three winner over in Europe who's placed in a couple of Group Ones. Um, that's the horse I'm looking at as the most accomplished European horse. It's connections that maybe haven't come over, definitely not as much as Aiden O'Brien, but I think they have the best horse of the European horses coming over. So I think he's going to be my top pick. And, uh, and second, I'm going to have to go with Aiden O'Brien, War Envoy, a, a Warfront Colt, which is powerful, and that horse could definitely put it all together at Keeneland. Uh, but the wild card horse I'm looking at, and I think there's probably too much early speed in here, for him, but Tourist ran a really nice race at Kentucky Downs. He would be the U.S.-based horse that I like the most just because at that distance at Kentucky Downs, you don't usually see horses go gate the wire, and he did that, and basically anytime I see a horse do something I don't usually see, I I make a note of it, and I do think there's a lot of speed in here, so it might be a difficult time to repeat that, but it was an impressive effort, so I have to at least include him on my ticket.
1: Well, uh, again, I want to thank you so much. We've been uh, talking with top handicapper and award-winning writer Frank Angst about the Fall Stars All-Star program. Frank, I know all you will uh, see you down there on Breeders' Cup weekend and wish you nothing but the best. Sounds
2: great, John. I appreciate it as always.
1: Okay, and I appreciate not only Frank Anks but Andy Sterling taking the time to be with us. Don't forget, pull down those easy win forms. We've been putting some huge numbers up, and we've got some huge races, not only this Saturday, but, of course, leading up to the Breeders' Cup. So thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. As I look out the press box window across the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want to remind everybody out there, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.